You're listening to the Cleverly Changing Podcast, episode 65. Our guest is travel blogger and newly published author, Tiffany Hurd. If you are your children, dream of writing and publishing a book, then this is an episode that will inspire you. Right now, pause and share this episode with a friend who will feel motivated to publish their book as well. Remember, if you want to keep the Cleverly Changing podcast going, please consider supporting us monthly by donating to our Patreon page. Full video episodes will be unlocked and discounts on my books will be given. Visit patreon.com slash cleverlychanging. Today's African proverb is, Rain beats the leopard's skin, but it does not wash out the spots. And that proverb is from the country of Ghana. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by Haiti. Sac passe. Sac passe. It means, what's up? Sac passe. What's up? In Creole. Sac passe. Are you looking for a game that will teach your children financial literacy, history, and confidence? Yes, there is a game that will fulfill all three of those needs. Black Wall Street, the board game, Play Black Wall Street, is similar to Monopoly, but more culturally rich. Their site, PlayBlackWallStreet.com supports the education of financial literacy for families. Please use the discount code CLEVERLY, all caps, for 25% off site-wide. The discount cannot be combined with any other discounts. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am your host, Elle Cole, and this is a wonderful segment. I am super excited. Like, I cannot tell you how excited I am. (laughs) Tiffany is going to be our guest today, and I actually met her online blogging some years ago. And so it is one of those conversations where you meet great people who are doing great things and you want to talk to them. So I have been seeing Tiffany just kind of disrupt the world in what she does with her traveling and her educating. And she has 
a new way that she's disrupting things. And, you know, when you're when you're blogging and doing things online, it can come with some ups and downs. So we are going to talk to Tiffany about that whole experience. So how does this conversation come into play when it comes to homeschool? Well, you have to listen in to find out because, you know, homeschoolers are all about entrepreneurship. They're all about gaining knowledge and learning something new. And that's exactly what this conversation is going to be about today. So listen in and welcome, Tiffany. Welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be on and I'm so happy to finally meet you, not in person, but even just to see your face and talk to you since it's been so many years. So I'm super, super excited today. Well, thank you. Thank you. It is so, it's such a surreal moment. I know for people who are not online, they're going to be like, what are they talking about? But here's the thing you, you come into as a person of color online, we often cross paths with each other, but not necessarily meeting each other in person all the time. And you're one of those persons who I feel like we've been supporting each other. It's like, Hey girl, I see you. I'm supporting you from, you know, we're not even doing the same thing, but it was like, let's support each other, let's empower each other. And you've been doing that for me. And I want to say I've been trying to do that for you too. And so that's really how we connected. And so um, can you tell a little about just your background and what you did professionally before you became this big entrepreneur <laughs> online? <laughs> Um, so my background is in social work. I went to um, undergrad. I have my degree in social work and I went to Howard woo -woo, for the HBCUs. <laughs> um, and I also got my degree in social work as well. So I have a passion for helping people like that is what I love to do. People ask me all the time now that I'm doing traveling stuff. They're like, do you still want to be a social worker? I'm like, absolutely. I don't think I can even really run or get away from it because it's just in my nature to be like, what do you need so that I can help you out? Um, and so, and it kind of erupted when we talk about the professional background, it kind of went over into travel because of work. I was actually laid off a couple years ago. And so because of that, that's how we entered into being able to get more into traveling and to be able to produce what we're going to be talking about today. Yes, yes. So I am actually in the Maryland area, the DMV. So Howard is right down the street. It's like 20 minutes away. And so I know that there are some bison listeners. We know you're listening in. So shout out to you guys. Um, but I just... I have admired how you've taken, I feel like you've taken some mission trips. Yes, yes. So can yes. you kind of, because I know there's a lot of families who often think about helping people because what, there's an African proverb that says it takes a village. And so in this century, our village often looks like us doing mission work, us pouring into people in a collective setting like that. And so I know that's something that you just talked about being close to your heart. Can you kind of describe, is that one of the ways that you got into it? And can you kind of unpack that so we can understand how that works? So yeah, absolutely. I love to volunteer and I've seen myself volunteer in different capacities. So I'm always like, well, how can I combine the two? So my background in social work, I've always wanted to do international social work. I've heard about it in undergrad 
And I was like, I didn't even know this was a thing. So I was like, how do I, you know, combine the two? So although I haven't accomplished that goal of necessarily doing international social work or a job internationally, I've decided to do volunteer work. And so with the volunteer work, I decided to find free programs because I told you I just had gotten laid off. And so I was like, but I still want to travel. I still want to do these different things. So the first program I signed up with was All Hands and Hearts. And it's basically a program where there's different natural disasters that are going on. And so my assignment was in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So there was that big hurricane. You know, they don't have the infrastructure when that hurricane came through. So it devastated a lot of people. There was deaths. There was homes being knocked down. And so we went out there for, well, I was only there for two weeks. But we were there literally rebuilding homes. I was super nervous. I'm like, I don't know how to rebuild a home. I don't know what they're talking about. I almost did not go on the trip. I'm so glad that I decided to take the leap of faith and just go. Just being with the people, because some of the, the homeowners were there working side by side with us. So just to hear their stories, I had one young, uh, um, one lady, she had an autistic son. So imagine your house being tore apart, still trying to take care of your son and manage everything in the household all while this is going on. So just to be there with people to be in that moment is just wonderful. And then it all makes sense. It all makes it worth it, like why you should be there. Um, and so it was lovely just kind of getting to know the culture and just giving back. And of course the scenery is always beautiful as well. So that was a plus side. Um, and then the second place I went, it was called Diverbo. And so it was literally um, helping people to speak English. So we were in a hotel, it was just how like we're talking now. A lot of people say, do I need to know English like that? I'm not an English major. I said, you don't need to do any of that. As long as you can talk back and forth like we're doing now, the program is for you. And so those are different ways that I love to give back. Um, and it's just an awesome. And just the feeling that you get of knowing that you're helping people is just, it's just awesome. It's like an indescribable feeling. Wow, I I actually had never heard of those programs before you you mentioned the names. I did AmeriCorps after college. And so I know about AmeriCorps and I know about Peace Corps. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do Peace Corps, but it was a two-year commitment and I was like that's a long time. I no longer think that as, you know, I'm older now and I'm like two years is not that long. But back then, I was like, man, that's like a long time. <laughs> And so for the programs that you did, how long was the commitment? Um, so it's funny that you say AmeriCorps. I did AmeriCorps a summer after, and it was great because we had a chance to volunteer at this program that I was already a part of. And then we got the stipend. We got the stipend, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to do the piece. Corps, but there was something that happened after grad school to where I wasn't able to go. Um, but they also have short-term opportunities. So look into those as well. They have three months, six months, nine months. Um, but for my commitment, honestly, for the all hands and hearts, you can literally stay there for months. I know people that were there for a long time or short time, but I was only there for two weeks. And then the English program was for one week. And I know people that stay there for months. A lot of retired people do that Spain one because it's very relaxed. You, It seems like you're almost on vacation because the hotel is nice. They feeding you three times a day. You got wine and water. And so they love it. So the time commitment can be as long as you want, honestly. 
Wow. Wow. That sounds incredible. So listeners definitely look those programs up and find out more information if that sounds like something you're interested in. Now, I want to start like transitioning this conversation just a tad because I know that you have traveled to many different places. And that's one of the things that kind of stands out in my mind. When I think about you, when I hear your name, I'm like, well, where is she at now? (laughs) So can you tell us Do you know how many countries you've been to? So that's funny because I feel like a lot of people ask me that. And I'm one of those people that don't really keep count. I know that's a big (laughs) thing in the travel. Oh, I've been to 20 countries. I don't really keep account of how many that I've been to. I just know that I'm ready to go. Where are we going next? What, you know, what's up next? So that's my whole thing. But I don't keep count, which is hilarious that people ask that all the time. It's funny that you say that because when I asked the question, just in knowing you, I was like, you're traveling for the love of it, not for, you know, to, to start, you know, check, you're not doing it to check off a list. And that's why I was like, well, do you know, because I'm, <laughs> I'm not 100% surprised that you don't know how many places, because it is definitely clear to me. Um, and just throw out where they can find your blog, because I want them as they're listening to this conversation, I want them to know that they can actually see some of your travels. And we'll definitely give you a spot at the end to plug it again. But tell people what your blog is so that they can um, be looking for it. Okay, so the name of the blog is called Sweet Tippy's Inspirations. Um, The reason why I named it that, because I said that if I can inspire one person, like my heart is warm. So when people literally tell me, oh, Tiffany, you inspire me, like I get like a tingly feeling because literally that's what my goal is. Um, So you can find it at www.tiffany-travels.com. Make sure you put the dash in the middle because if not, you'll probably see a non-melanated person and that is definitely not me. <laughs> so you have you have your blog, but you also now have started YouTube as well. Yes, I just started YouTube. It's called Where in the Herd is Tiffany. My name is Tiffany Hurd, so it's a play off of that. And I'm excited because I just reached my thousand subscribers. I'm a little bit over a thousand. <laughs> So we got to do the other half, which is, you know, getting the watch hours. But yes, I'm on YouTube now um, and I'm super excited about that journey. Blogging is definitely different from blogging, but it's a journey in all itself. And YouTube, if you guys want to start a YouTube channel, just know that you're going to work hard. It is a second. It is a whole nother job as well. So just get ready for it. (laughs) But that just goes to show you talked a little bit earlier about helping people and through your blog, through your YouTube, you're helping people. Although you're sharing your life and how you travel, how you're learning different things. I, you know, what's funny to me is when I look at your blog and your vlogs, what what really stands out to me is it's not so touristy. It's really about the people. It's about the places that you vi- um, that you visit. And so it gives a little bit more of a in-depth view versus some people you go to their stuff and you're just looking at the high life. Like you don't ever, you only see other tourists and you know, you're not necessarily learning about the culture and With you, it's all about this culture. It's all about the history. It's all about the people. And it's definitely different. And I think that's what has really kind of helped me to connect with your materials and what you share. Is there a reason why you think 
you do more educating and more hard work when it comes to your travels? Um, so I have all, I have a love for travel, but within that travel, it's all about the local people. I want to know their stories. I want to know what's going on. How did you get here? What's your culture? What does your dance look like? What does your food look like? So those different things, those are genuinely an interest for me. Um, the latest YouTube video I did, I interviewed three Black expats in Tijuana, Mexico. Like many people are not talking about Tijuana, Mexico. It's seen as the cartels. It's seen as... But I also want to show a different light um, and to show and hear their stories. When I hear your story, like I get excited. I'm like, okay, what's going on with you? You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's the reason why I do more of that content because it's just an interest for me. Like it's cool, like you said, to highlight the best hotel and the best this and the best that. But where is the culture of it all? Like, and then it's somebody asks this other question, like, how do you support the community when you're not traveling? I'm like, well, I want to support the local. So if it's a local food stand, if it's a local artist, like I want to support those people because I understand that my blue passport is privilege, right? I say I don't have a lot of money, right? Because I told you I, I'm not working full time or anything like that. But the fact that I'm even able to take that blue book and go to a Thailand or go to a Mexico where other people can't do that exchange. So I want to be able there to support them and share their story as well. I want to bring attention to who they are and what they're doing in their country or their city. Absolutely. And you're doing an amazing job. I know I looked at the, the information about the um, expats in Tijuana. And I was like, when I was in California a few years ago, Tijuana was literally right there. Like, <laughs> it's, it's barely a separation. And so you can find yourself in Tijuana by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you literally can literally on the freeway you can just keep going there's no, if you're walking yes there's the border but if you're driving it's like you're on the freeway so you're absolutely right <laughs> yes yes and that's kind of what uh surprised me about it but i just love that you know, you are dealing with the people and the local food. So when people go to your blog and you can see what the actual cuisine looks like, because sometimes here in America, we, you know, like for instance, just for an example, when we think of a Chinese restaurant, we're thinking, oh, that's what people in China eat. And that's not the case. And that, so that is so, that, that is hilarious that you mention it. And I say that because Somebody posted the other day and said, I went to a Mexican restaurant and they don't serve nachos. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, first of all, this shows that you've never been to Mexico because that is not a Mexican dish. That is something that you get here in California, where what we call it Tex-Mex or like a taco. But, and somebody asked the same thing about ground beef. They were in Mexico. Do they have ground beef tacos? And everybody laughed. I think she was offended. But it was kind of like you cannot take your what we have in America into these other countries and then expect the same type of service. So it's funny that you mentioned that about the food. <laughs> yes, yes, because it's definitely, you know, I don't know about all travelers, but often when we travel, our food is what really sticks with us because we get to know people through food. And you recently talked about High on the Hog, which is a Netflix um, production and kind of can you kind of share your experience with High on the Hog and why that show really resonated with you and your travels? So it's funny because I was like, I kept seeing people post, but I'm like, what, what is High on the Hog, you know? 
And so I, when I went to it, like, I really, really enjoyed the Netflix show because it, it went back to the local culture. It went back to the, where the food is. Some of the stuff I didn't know about, I didn't know that macaroni came from France. That's to me, that's a soul food here, you know, in, in our culture. So I didn't know that's where it came from. And then them talking about Benin in Africa. I've never been to Benin before. So to have them post about a country that we don't really talk about a lot was super interesting. I'm like, okay, dang, I need to put Benin on my list. Well, I want to go to all 54 countries, but let me put Benin on my list because this is where the food comes from. So I really, really enjoyed it. They only gave us four episodes. I'm like, they know they have to go back and give us some more. (laughs) So I feel like that's why it resonated because it went back to the culture and the guy that did it. And he, and they were travel bloggers. They were foodie bloggers. I was like, okay, I can relate to do, I can relate to their stories as well. So that's the reason why I really loved High on the Hog. I just liked how they did that correlation between the food and travel. And so it was really, really good. And of course, I love the fact that it was, you know, surrounded. Look, it was surrounded by a person that looks like us. Sometimes we don't get those Netflix shows. So it was, I really, really enjoyed it. Yes. And you just talked about Benin, which kind of helps us transition into your new book. It is, wow. It is Hues of Africa, Journey Between the Lines, Adult Coloring and Activity Book. And this is your first book. So you um, you just mentioned you hadn't been to Benin yet, but You have a whole book about the 54 African countries. You're highlighting different hues, as you say, hues of Africa. You're highlighting the beauty of Africa in the activity books. And there's so many different activities. It is definitely just a full book of value, of education and information about the culture, the food, the jewelry, the clothes, the fabrics, just you name it. You put so much information in there. Can you tell us why was this book on your heart? Why did you even share it? So I, I, it definitely has to go back to my love for travel. Like I love to travel. I keep saying that you'll hear it so many times, but the love for travel for Africa specifically. So Ghana was my first international trip. It was, and it was so long ago in 2007. And it was, I was an undergrad. So it was a summer study abroad trip. And so I was there for six weeks and absolutely had the time of my life. I am still connected to those women that went on the trip. It actually was no men, which was funny. No men on the trip still connected 13 years later with these women we still get together so africa is just i fell in love with ghana when i went there and i was like i think i've lived in the wrong country why am i living in the usa i'm not ready to go back home my family thought i was gonna be crying and just like ready to go home and i was like i'm so sad that it's time to go back home even after six weeks so that's where that's why i was like i need to create a book about africa because what do we see about africa you see the starving children, you see that it's poor, you see all these different things. And so I wanted to be able to change that narrative of say, hey, look at this, this is what Africa is about. And another thing is when we're in school and when you were in school, they weren't teaching us about Africa. They're not teaching us about our black history. 
So I said, well, some kids, I love to read as a child, right? But some, you know, we have to figure out ways to entice everybody. So I said, how about we do a coloring book, which it will entice the people that want to be creative or, you know, people like to doodle. Okay, go ahead and color. But then I also wanted to give you that education piece because I think it's important. I don't think we know enough about Africa. Now, was I able to put everything in the book? No, but I did try to give you a taste of some of the countries there and some of Africa as a whole. Yes. So how long did it take you to write the book? So that's another funny question. (laughs) I don't know the answer to that either. The reason why I say that is because I would say it was a year. When you talked about May of last year, May at the height of the pandemic, um, we were at Walmart and I, I'll, re- I'll never forget this because the Walmart line was so long. You know, you never have to wait in line at Walmart. <laughs> so I told my mom, I said, mom, I'm going to write a color book. And I think she was like, oh, okay. I don't know if she believed me or, you know, she was just probably listening to me. Um, but at, at that time I had started doing the illustrations and during the illustrations, I found an illustrator and I loved him. And if you look at the book, Elle, it's the Egypt page. Okay. So just keep that in mind. So Egypt, I loved it. I loved it. And I said, hey, let's get it going. I want to do this book. And he was like, okay, okay. And then literally he ghosted me. He did not want to work with me anymore. He was just like, nope, I can't do it. I was like, well, is there a reason? Do you need time? Do you need anything like that? And he was like, no, I literally stopped for three months. I did not look at the book. I didn't work on it. I was just so sad because I was starting this project. And then I loved him. And I'm like, well, who else do I find next? Yes, that's the Egypt page. <laughs> um, so... <clears throat> After that, I finally was like, he's not the only artist in the world. As you can see, the second artist is who done the rest of the pictures. Um, so I always say it's hard for me to calculate up the time. It wasn't quite a year because I wasn't working on it consistently. Um, so I'm sorry, that's a long answer to the question. But yes, I don't know how long it took me <laughs> to write the book, but it was within that year, but not quite a year. Well, that, I mean, it just seems like it's so, it, it's so much content. That's why I was like, well, how long did it take you to do this? Because <laughs> I just finished my activity book and I know it took me, I was like, man, this is a lot of work. I had already written a book, but the activity book is, is actually much harder than it seems. I thought it would be easy. People like, oh, it's just an activity book or it's just... It was very difficult. And so I was like, this is it's nice and thick. It's 79 pages. It's just full of different things that you can learn from. And when I saw it, when I saw you share about your book, I was like, this will be great for me to do with my girls. And I saw it as a moment to connect as black women. So the Egypt page, it's funny that you mentioned that. We will put a picture of the page. I'm gonna color it. We're gonna put a picture of that page um, on the show notes. So if you are curious, cause we're clearly talking about that page, <laughs> but it does celebrate blackness. And I don't know if, so I'm all about blackness. Like I am. <laughs> I am very, very um, natural, very authentic. And I loved it because the book reminded me of myself. Now, (laughs) that sounds really crazy because I am not in the book. But as as a young Black girl, I am the youngest of five. And I have older sisters, but we're all a variety of complexions. And my mom used to say, you're my darkest child. And I'd be like, oh, you know, like we we in our community sometimes talk about color. And 
you know, people would say, oh, you'll grow into your beauty when I was a little girl. And I was often hurt and offended and I didn't feel pretty. I didn't feel beautiful. Beautiful. I didn't feel like I was worthy to be celebrated. And that was when I was a child. But as I grew, I would say probably around high school, I started that that started to shift. I was like, I don't people can think what they want about me, but I'm going to own who I am and I'm going to be comfortable in my skin. Now, in that teenage years, it can go either way. But what I loved is your book celebrates that. It's a variety of shapes, of curves, and it's it's like the very essence of us as women we are worthy. And so I love that about the book. I don't know if, you know, you did it intentionally to to share such variety, but that's definitely something that stuck out to me and made me want to get the book. So I want to go back to where you talk about color. And it's funny about how we as, I don't, I don't know if it's an African-American thing or if it's just people in general, we have this whole colorism thing kind of stuck in our head. And so the same with you, I have a bunch of sisters and we are all different colors as well. And so we always think about my sister, the the darkest one. And we always, her mother always says, this is my chocolate baby. Same kind of difference how you say it. And, but I think the difference for her is we've always said that she was beautiful. We always said that she could be a model. We always said this and we always said that, but always go back to why do we even mention the color, right? They don't call me the chocolate baby. I'm kind of brown, so they don't say anything about me. We have a lighter one. They don't say anything about her. So I I don't know why we do that, make that distinction, but obviously it shouldn't be done because like you said, the cues are all beautiful every which way we go. And so I know you already think you're beautiful, but I'm here to tell you that you are beautiful. (laughs) Every time when I see your hair, I'm just like, oh my God, I love her hair. I just love your style. So I just want to let you know that you are beautiful um, and just in general, just to everybody. And like you said, that's why representation is so important. And also as our families, and I'm pretty sure now that you have your girls, I'm pretty sure you tell them that you're beautiful. You affirm them. And I think talking about years ago, because I don't know if we're the same age or not, but I just don't think that that was going on. And so I've even told my mom before, I was like, mom, I don't think you've ever really said, now she says it now, but I I don't think growing up, I don't think I've heard to say, she never put me down but I never really heard those affirmations. And so when you have children, you want to do things a little bit differently. So we are going to practice those things. Let's look in the mirror every morning. You're beautiful. What is your name? Just celebrating those things. And so I think it's super, super important so that we don't have these stories of saying, hey, I don't like myself because of what my family said, and in family, I just don't think they even recognize what they were doing back in the day. Um, so that's why it's important that the times are changing, but sometimes it's changing for the good way in that particular manner. Um, so yes, I, I definitely wanted to put different types of people, different things in there. Um, I am I am in there myself. And so people's like, Tiffany, is this you? Or I recognize that. And I'm like, yeah, because I want people to know that there are people out there that look like them because shapes and sizes are super important. 
I am, I don't call myself a body positivity person in that manner because I don't necessarily talk about my weight because my weight doesn't define me. If you guys don't know, this is the audio recording. I am a plus size woman, um, but I do, I don't like to highlight that because that's not the only thing that's a part of me. Part of traveling is who I am. Tiffany is who I am and the weight doesn't define me. So it's important that we look at all shapes and sizes and know that we are beautiful as black women. Like, and we should be celebrated amongst ourselves and amongst other people as well. So I'm glad that you brought out that this particular topic is super important. Yes, because I, I have to admit that even though I had that experience as a mom, because I didn't grow up with those affirmations, it wasn't something that came natural to me. My girls are now 12, so they're hitting that point where they're really trying to find themselves and their identity. They're they're starting to find that sense of belonging. And so now I see myself trying to play catch up because it's like, oh, well, I, I now know the value of affirmations. I now know. And so it's hard. It's something that you need to be doing since infancy. And for me, Unfortunately, because it wasn't something that was ingrained in me because it wasn't how I was taught. It's something that I've been having to kind of relearn and redo and, and get better at. And, you know, one of the ways that I'm trying to get better at is with this book, you know, <laughs> and sharing it with my girls. So it's definitely something that's personal to me and why I wanted to have this conversation with you, because I think it is such a, a beautiful representation of women and Black women in general. And it tells us about Africa, which you know, when we think about the past, there are so many lessons of, you know, that are less, we, we don't necessarily see the celebration or the femininity. We, we, we often, as a people, we bring up that women are strong. We bring up that women can deal with anything like these, all these other type of aspects, but we don't necessarily highlight black beauty unless it's um mixed with other things mm -hmm. and i felt like your book highlights you're beautiful just as you are all by yourself as authentic and raw and real and so that is what resonated with me and and what i love about it so i'm so happy that you did that because that's something that i as a woman and i i appreciate your your positive words but it's something that we still need because no matter what we've been through in our lives we still have to heal and your book is a great place for that healing journey because even the coloring is therapeutic it's you know it just feels good you know and and you just you see the women and you say those high cheekbones i can look in the mirror and see those like it's it's refreshing because i grew up what was teen vogue was the magazine that was out and i never saw anybody with reflecting I was, I was with me Yes, I was looking at Seventeen magazine. Oh, yeah. Was, so you know who was in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, again, even that, that Egypt page, the, the, the reason why I got the artist, because he said in his description that he knew how to draw black 
people and I said oh yeah we got to get him because I didn't want like the stick I don't want I used to love Barbie back in the day I don't want I didn't want just the Barbie image you know I wanted all of these other things and so there is a we're talking about women right now but there's also men in the book there's also children in the book so there's a little bit of everything is I wanted to make sure I get that because I know when people see the cover they're like oh this is probably just for women I'm like nope we celebrate our kings in the in the book as well as well as the children. So I just wanted to make it kind of well-rounded to where our audience, because I don't want people thrown off to say this is a book for women. No, this is a book about Africa in general. And so we all need to be celebrated in that particular manner. Um, so I'm so, ex- I'm so excited about this conversation and I'm excited about your positive feedback because you mentioned this earlier about when we hit submit, there's always that doubt in the back of your mind. You know what I'm saying? Are they going to like it? Do they even care about Africa? Do they even care about a coloring book? Because when we talk about coloring, literally, I feel like people write the book off when they hear coloring. But when they see it, they're like, oh, I have a lot of people say, oh, Tiffany, this wasn't what I was expecting in a positive way. But they're not expecting what's in there. They're like, oh, I didn't even realize there was activities in it. And so I'm trying to push the activity narrative, but they all they hear is coloring. And so I'm when I even going into bookstores, I'm like, can you just look at the book? <laughs> I'm like, if you just look at the book, then I think you'll be okay with the content. Um, so it was very important for me to make sure to get it out there and to know what it's all about as well. And you talk about those activities. Yes, those activities are no joke. <laughs> now, now you know how it is. That's that's what took me the long. I'm a procrastinator, so take away that part. I guess if I wasn't a procrastinator, I could have finished quicker. But yes, it, you literally, I had to research. I had to research because, mind you, there's 54 countries. I've only been to four of them. So a lot of these places I had not been to. So doing that research and then doing the activity portion is definitely not the easiest thing in the world. And I thought it was going to be just like you did. <laughs> Yes. So you are a self-published author. Can you can you tell our audience what that means? So self-published author literally means that you are doing I would say that the sum it up, you're doing it on your own. Um, self-published, self-published through Amazon. There's nobody helping me to market. There's nobody pushing me. There's nobody getting my name out there. Literally, that means that I have to get on the ground running. <laughs> and so you are. <laughs> Literally, I'm like calling this place. Well, are you interested? Can I bring it to you? Can you? So that I think that's the difference between self-publishing and publishing through a company. Um, but it's a matter. And then I think it's a matter of price, too. If you go with the other people, they're going to charge you, which, uh, of course, is understandable. But then the self-published route is the, the less expensive route. But that means that you are your own cheerleader and that you are doing, you're putting in the work. What they say is not a, how do you, what's the quote say? It's not a, um, it's not a marathon, it's a sprint or what, what is that quote? Um, I can't even think of the quote, but it's basically, it's, it's, a, it's a marathon, meaning that it's, you're going to constantly be in the trenches and you think like, oh, I published a book, that's it. No, I think the the hard work comes because, you know, I'm not this big superstar. Maybe one day we will get there, but right now we're not. So the fact that you have to get out there and do it on your own, to me, sums up self-publishing. <laughs> what do yes. you think? Yeah, I, I have to agree. So for those of you who don't know, I don't talk about my book or my podcast a whole lot, but I also am a self-published author. And what you said, so what I now know is the easy part is pressing publish (laughs) 
because once you publish it, you want to, you want to tell people, you want to get the word out there. And although I have, I published my book a year ago and I've been inspired by you and how you've been getting out to stores, how you've been really just doing that visibility type of work, becoming a vendor. Can you share with our audience how that has come to come to be for you? Like, are you, um, you just mentioned your calling places. How are you setting up so that you can sell your book in person? So basically I'm literally, uh, I looked up, I literally looked up black bookstores. So I'm from Los Angeles. So I looked up black, black stores in my area. And so I literally began to call them and I said, Hey, you know, can I come in and can I, can I, can I set up a meeting with you? And it's really good to do that because the networking is super cool. We've met some amazing people, some people that you would have never met. So that's definitely something that you should do. Um, and also the vending events, though, the vending events are awesome, okay? Because you're out there, you're in the community, community, you get a chance to network, you get a chance to talk to people that you may never talk to. So definitely, I love the vending events as well. Have you done the vending before? I have not. I. <laughs> what's funny to me is I am, I have sold over... I want to say over 800 books now, but only online. Like I haven't actually. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. That's online only. That's awesome. So I've, I've done vending online. <laughs> oh, oh, see, I've never done that before. That sounds cool. So it's interesting. It's interesting. So, so what's different is when I published my book, the world was closed. And so I'm on the East Coast. I'm in Maryland, which I mentioned, and it still hasn't really opened up like it, like fully. It's not open like California quite yet. So now people are starting to, like, I just went to the harbor last week and the whole top floor of a mall was shut down. Like no stores exist in there anymore. And then there's still capacity limits. So I know that the time for me to actually step out and go into the stores is is now. It's now for it's now time for me to make those calls and those conversations and make it happen. But for for a year, I was able to do all of that work behind the scenes and online. And like you said, it's really people once they see what it is that you're offering they really gravitate towards you. So when I would tell people like you, my first book was a coloring book. People were like, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not that interested. Um, but when they would open it, oh, it's so much more. And they would say it, it was so much more than I expected or so much better than I expected. And, and it's, it's, it's a pleasant surprise, but it's also like, for me, it was like, well, I got to come up with something else that's not a coloring book. So people will just accept it. And so um, I do have another book that's just the children's book. So, you know, I feel like this though, my, my best selling book is still the coloring book. People, oh, okay. people will always have space for coloring. Like people often need more than one. You right. know, and they'll, for me, some, some of my customers have bought, bought multiple books. Yes. yes. And so that's I think that's kind of the beauty and the difference of a coloring book. So there's always room to celebrate and color in that way. And so I just know that self-publishing is a lot of work because you're funding it 
yourself. And that's what sometimes people don't understand. And I think of, I don't know if you've done giveaways, but I've done giveaways and I'm like, even though it's free to you, that does mean somebody is paying for it. So it's like, you know, do definitely, um, do the reviews. Definitely. You know, you have to tell people to review your book. And what I'm very impressed with is you already have a lot of reviews. What is your secret to getting people to review your book? So yes, that, okay. So you, it's, I, there, and another reason why I'm loving this conversation because you understand like what I'm going through. <laughs> um, so the reviews are definitely difficult. But I will say this, and we could, I guess you can see it as a positive. You know that when people review stuff, a lot of times it's bad reviews. So the fact that they're not reviewing shows me that they're enjoying the product. So that's one. But two, to get people to review it, I'm literally saying, hey, you know, I say, hey, thank you that you bought the book. Can you please post a review? I did do a giveaway before to try to, you know, garner some attention. Um, I have tried to do like, um, what do you call it? Sending out a free, like a free page and, you know, putting that in the email saying, hey, can you please review? Um, my next thing that I'm probably going to do is, because um, people say they're confused about how to do it, I'm probably going to literally copy the link and say, here's the link. All you have to do is click on it, and then we can kind of go from there. So, yes, it is. It, it, that's one of those things. I was like, is everybody else having trouble with getting the reviews? And everybody is synonymously yes. So I, I, I feel like that's an issue. But that's what I'm just trying to do is trying to, like, literally say, hey, can you please do this? I really appreciate it. Some people say yes, and I understand that life goes on. They forget it. So it's a matter of me going back and be like, hey, did you get a chance to review it? So literally just asking, like, that's the only thing that I can, like, really think of. Um, and then trying the whole, like, hey, let's give away something. You know, people always like freebies, so... Yes. So just congratulations. I think that your book is amazing. I think you are amazing. And I want to know what you told us that Egypt was your favorite page, but do you have a favorite activity in your book that it was like, wow, when I was done with that, it was like, I, I loved it. Cause I know I, my latest book, which is my third one, is an activity book. And some of the activities, it's like I woke up in the morning and said, I'm going to do that activity. And it was like, you know, my heart just felt like it needed to be there. Do you have one of those activities? Um, I, So I really love the one about, I know it's like the, probably not the one that you guys would say, it's not even that exciting. But I love word search. Like I, the, I love the word search and the word search is happened to be Ghana, which is, you know, one of my favorite places. So I know it's very simple, but I love looking up and down and around and across just to find out whatever we need. So I feel like that is actually one of my favorite pages, which I know it's not that exciting. <laughs> Um, but I was excited to find the different activities. So in my background as a social work, I used to run groups. So I used to work with African-American pregnant women. And so we would have to come up with different things. So it was always fun to see what we can come up with for the day and looking for the different activities. Although it could have been a little bit difficult because you always see the typical word search and the crossword and different things like that. So I wanted to say, well, how can we be like a little bit different? What could we do? So there's a bunch of different things in there. There's some um, drawing ones that you have to do because um, I used to, when I first went to Ghana, I loved the mask. 
So there's a page in there about drawing the mask. Um, so that's another good one. So it was fun to kind of come up with the activities, even though I would say that was probably one of the most difficult parts because the book is thick. So you're trying to find new ones all the time. So that was a, that was a hunt to try to get that done as well. Wow. I, I know that for me, you mentioned that the word search was your favorite one. I fell in love with one of your mazes. It is. Yes. It's, <laughs> do you know which one? <laughs> yes. And that was funny because I was like, I think I want to put a maze in there. And the other, you know, the other one that's not in the book that I like wish I would have. And I guess technically I could still put it in the book, but it was actually a connect the dots. Mm -hmm. A connect the dots. That reminds me just of childlike. Like, you know, you have to connect the dots. And so I was like, well, how can we make it more adult life? So it's not in the book, but it's part of the freebie. But yes, the mazes was actually one of the last ones that I decided on before we hit the publish, um, because that's just something that, again, I wanted, you wanted the child, being childlike is so interesting because it's that time where you don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about no bills. I don't have to worry about working. I could just literally sit there and go in this book. And so though the maze one was another exciting one for me as well. Well, awesome. I think you've done an incredible job. The book is definitely something, if you're listening to us, you you can just hear how excited we are. Now that maze is an Af it's a maze of Africa. So definitely, you know, you gotta get the book so you can see it. So I know that um, you have put your knowledge as a social worker in here just to just educate people. And you talked about how you had to find activities. So a part of your background has come into play with this book. Do you have any future books on your heart? So these, I, it, it, this is another one of those hilarious questions because people say, what are you going to do next? I'm like, can I just enjoy the book? <laughs> Only, the book has literally been out a month, month and a half, not even two months yet. And so I actually do have an idea that I thought about that I think would go very, very well. I, th I think, I think it's going to do good. I'm, I'm excited. And I, and I was literally in the shower the other day and I was like, should I start working on it? Cause I was like, Oh no, I'm not going to wait till like six months to start working on working on the next one. But I was in the shower and I was like, maybe I should start those activity portion because that's what kind of took a long time. How long did you wait to write your second and your third book? So the, so the second book is really just the regular children's book based on my coloring book. So, okay. so what's funny is I had already I thought I was done with the activity book when I realized, wait a minute, I have this book. Why haven't I published yet? It was already colored, the children's book, and it, it just dawned on me that I needed to put it out there. <laughs> so, so it wasn't even an active thought. It was something. So the second book, I, I didn't do a lot of publicity around it. Now, the third book, the activity book, is the one that took me a long time. I thought I was done with it in December. It is now, what is today? Today is June 21st. Mm -hmm. And my book, I am waiting for it to, it's already in pre-sales. So um, it is done. I'm waiting for Amazon to um, to release it, to to take it from review and put it into the store. So um, I I definitely say that it took me longer than six months 
to, to get those activities the way I wanted them to be. Now, my books do have to go through like a review committee because they are dealing with um, sickle cell disease. So they deal with medical knowledge. So I have doctors mm -hmm. review them before I put them out to the world. So that's really oh, one thing that, that takes me a long time. That's super, super interesting. I didn't know that that had to take place, but I can definitely see why it could. So you work with a lot of doctors and in, in the medical field. Is your background in medical at all? No. So I, I have a degree in English and history. I wanted to go on and become a lawyer. I clearly, I'm a talker. I'm a, I'm a communicator. <laughs> um, but because I have a daughter who has sickle cell disease, um, I felt like now I had worked in the in the legal field um, in corporate, and I was like, this just isn't going to be the life with um, my daughter. It's it's just not going to happen. And so that's when I left the corporate world and became a entrepreneur. And so you reinvent yourself. Like you talked about being laid off, and you're like, well, I still have these skills. I still have this knowledge. This is what I can do next. And so things will come up in your life that will show you where your purpose is right now. And I feel like you are walking in your purpose by helping people. And this is just another way to help people outside of just the digital platform and just reach more people in the world. And so I congratulate you. I commend you. I understand the work you do because we are sisters at it in the same thing. So I just want to celebrate you today and tell my, I want to tell my listeners, listen, support her and support her work. When you see artists who are artists of color and, and Black entrepreneurs and creators, you really have to rally around them because sometimes it's hard for us to get the support that we deserve. You know, there are people who have backers, there are people who have funders, there are people who have brands behind them. But often when we have these things on our heart and things we want to put out in the world, we are our own backers, our own funders, and we're doing everything. We are wearing the hat of CEO, CMO, CFO, all of the hats. So support <laughs> us. <laughs> that 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 you that is super super true. I am, but I am when I tell you that I am overwhelmed with support from my family to just friends, just to everybody else, like. I am just, it's, I'm overwhelmed in a good way. You don't know how people are going to support until they support. And so this is a different type of support because as I said, I've been a blogger for, well, I don't know if I said, I've been a blogger for five years, which means I've been giving out free information on the YouTube, on the blog. So this is kind of like my first real, like, hey, purchase this type of thing. And I hate selling stuff. Like people say, you want to do Mary Kay? Nope, I'm not selling nothing. <laughs> So I didn't know what the response would be from something that they had to purchase. Even, I don't know if you had trouble with this, Ale, but even pricing the book, I was scared to price the book. How much should it be? Are people going to pay for it? And, you know, all these different things that were going on. So with the fact of that being said, I am just so just appreciative of the support from literally all over the world. And I say that because my family thinks I'm crazy when I say I'm meeting up with somebody I met from social media. I'm going on a vacation with them. I'm sharing a room with them. I'm meeting up. I got in their car, you know, and they, my dad just told me the other day, Tiffany, that is not safe. You shouldn't be doing that. And I just say, yeah, yeah, dad, it's okay. 
Like, this is what I do. And I can't stop it at this point. <laughs> um, but with that being said, I appreciate social media as well. That's how me and you connected. If there weren't social media, there wouldn't, I wouldn't have met half of the wonderful people that I've met. Um, I had a young lady, she, uh, she inboxed me. She says, you're my social media best friend in my head. And so I laughed at that. So that is our term for each other. Now she's my SMBFF. We have never met in person before. And so this is why I literally appreciate social media. And of course, I appreciate, I have to shout out my family. <laughs> um, even I, for the vendor event we were talking about, Shout out to my mom. She literally sat there with me all day and I was forgetting to sign books. She's like, Tiffany, aren't you going to sign? I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, mom, take the picture. My dad uh, bought the banner. So just that support is just like really awesome and much needed. And I know some people don't have that. So for me, I'm eternally grateful to everybody that has supported me thus far in this journey. Yes, you you are just terrific in what you do. And it has been a joy to watch your journey and a joy to watch your family rally around you and support you because as a community, this goes back to that village and that African proverb, it takes a village. So village, you are listening right now. Support this book. I think it's well worth the money um, for a coloring book, an activity book. This isn't that dollar store type of stuff. This is something that took time. Everything was intentional and it takes a lot of work. As someone who has made an activity book, I was like, wow. Like I was getting up at like three and four in the morning because it would, it was things that would just be on my heart. I got to do this. And then, you know, you're always wanting to do something else. And it's like, I got to let it go. Like you actually have to stop yourself and say, I just have to put it out there. No, that, that right there is real because I kid you not, my friend, I was like, but I got to put this, I got to put that. She's like, Tiffany, no, you need to publish the book. But I kid you not, if it were up to me, I probably would have at least put Ooh, another 10, 20 pages in there. And the book is already 79 pages. So you are absolutely right. You definitely have to stop yourself because if not, you won't get it out there. And just know that there can always be a part two. Yes. So you don't have to, you don't have to put everything in the first book. Um, and so, yeah, what you said right there is spot on. So I just, I have had such an awesome experience talking to you. And, you know, I just, I want to close with this. When, when you and I first, I feel like we did a Zoom. Tiffany, I feel like it was like um, the pandemic. It was something going on in the world. And you said, let's have a prayer call. And I was like, oh, okay. So let me, let me join that. But I was too scared to turn my camera on. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you? <laughs> I I was it you know it was it was a couple years ago I feel like it was a while ago it was a long time ago and I did it not was probably, it was last it was like last year right at the beginning of the pandemic yes yeah it was, it was so it was ago. last year and I did not turn my uh, my 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 camera on but I was there because I was like I want to support I think this is a good you know, a good call. And here are we now, you know, here, here we are. And so I just want to say, sometimes if you're listening, sometimes your community 
may not be right there beside you. Sometimes your community will be all across this nation. So don't be afraid of those open doors and open windows that will really help you reach out to other people and help let other people in, get to know people. No man is an island. And so what I've learned is you can network wherever you are. And so Tiffany, thank you for this interview. Thank you for this time. Thank you for letting us in on your journey as a self-published author and congratulations and keep doing the work that you do. Thank you so much. I am, I'm that, I'm like, my heart is just like full right now because I'm really appreciating this conversation. I'm appreciating you. I'm appreciating the network, the connection, everything. And I'm just so grateful for this opportunity. And thank you for allowing me to be on, to share my story, to connect with you as a Black author, as a woman, as somebody who's, you know, going through the trenches. I say we're going through the trenches together, even though separately. Um, so I just appreciate this time of bonding and connection and just uplifting each other. And I am super, super grateful. And I cannot wait to meet you. I come to DC often. So we're definitely going to have to connect. And so thank you so much. Super appreciative. Well, folks, definitely when this is, when this podcast is out, please go to the show notes page. You're going to want to take a look. You're going to want to click on the links and head over to Tiffany's YouTube page and all her Instagram. You want, you're going to want to support. So thank you for your time. And until next time, folks, that's a wrap. to keep our podcast going order a hoodie t-shirt mugs and more today visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order